Warning, some members of this podcast have been known for gratuitous use of the F word. If the F word is something that offends you, fuck it, let's do this. Awesome. Hit the theme music, Doug. Hello, friends, and welcome to week two of Douglas Watch. Yes, welcome everyone. Our uh, lovely ranting audience. Dougie, are you out there? Are you listening? Dougie, can you hear us? Oh man, if this goes on any longer, I'm going to have to go set up an interview with Oprah and talk about my feelings. Are you going to jump on a couch and set interview? Oh hell yeah. Oh yeah? But that's only after I... You know, get married to Nicole Kidman, and then get divorced, and then go find Katie Holmes, see if she wants to tussle, and then keep her locked up at home. Yeah, I got some work to do. I don't know. A- after seeing the movie, The uh, uh, the Gift, oh. that's the name of the movie. After seeing uh, Katie Holmes in The Gift, uh, even though it's a, uh, you know, her corpse being nude, yeah, I would have jumped on a couch for her. Hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, hey, that they made a co- comment about it in Harold and Kumar. <laughs> Jesus. Well, all I know is that movies, those, those movies must have been made pre-COVID because no matter how bad they sucked, there's no way they suck as bad as what's being made today. Oh, no, no. By no means was it as bad as some of the the total shit we're getting now. Yeah, like, I know not everybody is has still stuck it out with, uh, like, this isn't a movie yet. They're supposed to be making them, but uh, the TV show The Walking Dead, filmed right here in Atlanta, mm. or mm-hmm. technically south, down near, uh, in Spalding County, down near Griffin and Sonoya. But um, that show, it, it, like everything else took the year off last year because they, you know, COVID, but they're, they have like a third part. It was like an unplanned part of uh, their 10th season and their episodes are now playing and they're, they're terrible because, yeah. because they filmed these episodes last fall and the way that they have to shoot everything is like super up close on people and even while they were recording, everybody still had to maintain six feet distance minimum. It was actually more like 10 feet. Their, their mandate, because nobody could wear masks, was to be 10 feet apart. So it's kind of hard to have a zombie show where the zombies can't get close to you. Kind of takes away the whole mysticism of it all. Defeats the purpose, one might say. COVID entertainment is not very entertaining. Yeah, I, I do expect more than I should out of my entertainment these days. Uh, just a quick, nah, not even a sneak peek, but a, a tease. We'll tease our listeners. Um, I guess the biggest movie that has recently come out uh, is one that we will be breaking down in a couple of weeks, just a couple more episodes from now, when Doug comes back, uh, because we all have a few things that we want to say about coming to America Mm-hmm. And so that came out last Friday. 
uh, I think March 5th or whatever. We watched it immediately. And our reaction to it seems to be pretty, pretty much in line with everybody else's reaction to it that has seen it so far. So for, so for any of our listeners that haven't seen it yet, I don't want to fill their head full of my thoughts and I don't want them to watch it and come away with the same pre-planned reactions that, that I might be giving them. So it kind of works out two ways. Um, this isn't a recommendation to go see it, but we're going to wait a couple weeks before we break down that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that way we can allow Doug a chance and cause it would be a little repetitive if, uh, if we gave our honest opinion of it right now. And then two weeks from now we did it all over again. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it and you want to see it or you were planning on seeing it, you have a, you have a few more weeks before we come in and ruin it for you. Yeah. We might, <laughs> hell, I might even watch it again right before uh, <laughs> our, our, our episode where we break it down. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see if that changes my mind. But uh, the real thing that did happen this week that I've been told is important. Uh, I didn't come away with this on my own. In fact, I probably wouldn't have even put the 28 minutes that I just put in right before we hit record into even looking into what the fuck this is. But the true coming to America saga, um, was, was filmed, um, or was released, I think over the weekend on CBS with our, our queen, America's queen, Mm. Oprah Winfrey. Oh, (laughs) and, uh, and Meghan Markle and Prince Henry. Of the English royal family. Oh, yes. There, there can be no such more arduous task than being royalty. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's, we live in the day and age, and this is a common topic that we hit up on uh, on this show, and we're going to be, well, hitting it again. And that is, is, you know, there's this entire new culture wave of admonishing people who appear to have lived a life of privilege. And those people in our society are now looked at as, well, just in a negative light. Mm, okay. they, if, you, if you lived a certain life of privilege, you're automatically looked upon as being bad or a negative on the world where... Um, you're just a bad person. You, you, you take credit for other people's accomplishments and, and earthly duties. And you have doors open for you that just is only because of who you are or your skin color or, or your position in this world that you likely didn't earn that you were just, you were just born with all this privilege. Mm. And the way that a lot of just normal people uh, as you and I would be categorized, are looked at, or somebody would claim that we have a we have uh, a certain level of privilege. Sure, is they're trying to make correlations between normal people and actual royalty in a lot of cases. They 
they they look at people that they don't like or that they don't agree with and they just say, oh, well, you just have privilege. You don't understand. You know, you've lived a life that is so much easier than us, almost like a prince compared to the trials and tribulations I've had to live through. Mm-hmm. And I find that uh, remarkably um, incorrect in a lot of cases. But in this case, you have a true um, family of privilege. Yeah. That did nothing to earn it. Not at all. The only thing that I can tell that they've done is do whatever they can to maintain it. And sometimes that means uh, having sex with underage girls on Epstein Island. You know, oh, whatever yeah, it takes. Yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. Whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. But a new twist on that is Prince Harry, who I always just refer to as Prince Henry because I just really don't pay any attention to any of this bullshit. No, I mean... Why would you? You're not a middle-aged woman in America. <laughs> well, you know, I've never understood the the interest that Americans have with British royalty. Mm-hmm. I, it it doesn't. I, I'll never. I'll never get Americans fawning over the royal family. Really? Flip through the channels for a little while and see how many times you see a commercial for the Bachelorette or the Bachelor. Or any one of those fucking soulless shows. I mean, it does not shock me that Americans are overwhelmingly obsessed with the royalty. Because we obsessively uh, chase after, you know, um, false uh, accolades, you know, on the regular. But um, anyway, so apparently... and. As you can tell, I'm kind of struggling with this story because I just don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't blame you. I I could give possibly less of a shit. Actually, no, I'm struggling to think of a way in which I could give less of a shit about this. We're going to talk about it. We're going to cover it the way that we would cover something like this. And that is by just making it very clear that we don't care. Okay. So the first half of this stupid fucking interview is Megan and Oprah having girl talk. You know, just hamming it up about the important things. You say the narrative with Kate, it didn't happen. Mm. So specifically, did you make Kate cry? No. So where did that come from? Was there a situation where she might have cried or she could have cried? No, the reverse happened. You knew all along and people around you knew that that wasn't true. Everyone in the institution knew it wasn't true. So why didn't somebody just say that? It's a good question. Wow. Holy shit. My life is forever changed. Yeah. The hard-hitting, deep, deep, important questions. Did you make Kate Middleton cry? The world needs to know. Of course. I mean, this could be shattering. Oh, I know. There's so many people. Oh, God. If she would have, if she would have answered yes, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have made it to work the next day. I don't, you know, I don't know if I would have made it anywhere in my life after that. I would have just pulled my car into uh, the onslaught of traffic coming the other way and just ended it all. Yeah. I would have just blindfolded myself and played pinatas with other cars and just. Mm -hmm. So much candy spilled out. So 
Yeah. Oprah said that they sat down for three and a half hours. I, I don't know how much actually made it to TV. Maybe an hour, hour and a half. Don't know. Don't care. Mm-hmm. But like, this is the level of shit that they have to get out there. And, and then apparently there was a bunch of other shit like, oh, the, the royal family was concerned about the potential color of my first son if he was going to be too brown. And she was saying it as though she was like shocked, like, ugh. It's like, hey, American, hey, earth to American dumb bitch. Mm, yeah. You're marrying into royalty. What did you think this was going to be? Just take a gander at their family lineage and let me know what you see. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, get back to me as to why you think they would give a fuck that it's 2021. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the pretending that this is shocking, it, it, it inflicts more boredom upon me than most other things. <laughs> because it's like, oh, so you're telling me that an organization that believed from the beginning um, that... Royalty was found in the bloodline less through actually any merit whatsoever to the individual to also then in the same breath tell me they might have thoughts of supremacy towards other individuals. (gasps) Oh, I'm supposed to be shocked at that? No. (laughs) I think they were kind of hoping that the kid was going to come out not looking like what they were expecting now if you've seen any picture by the way <laughs> the name of this their, their firstborn son is archie I, I know way too much about this shit than i ever cared to know but his name is archie there's pictures of him out there as in bunker yeah <laughs> or any other extremely white person yes the baby is white uh-huh by the way Meghan markle not that dark no she apparently has a uh, a black parent Mm-hmm. And a white parent. And Henry, or yeah, Henry, uh, well, he's, he's from England. Yeah. And his mother was Princess Di. Mm-hmm. The amount of whiteness coming through this young lad was going to drive out any other uh, genes, let's say. <laughs> there was no chance of this kid coming out anything other than whiter than you and I. Sure. So, who gives a fuck? And it was just a stupid thing to even bring up. But she has to implement race into it and how she felt so alone in the royal uh, castle or whatever the fuck. And I'm just like, oh, good God damn it. Well, man, all they're really trying to do is make a living just on their name you know, kind of like royalty does. So they're just trying to continue the gravy train without the train. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole story of this is that, you know, Prince Henry was doing all right. Yeah. He was a fucking prince. He, he had all of the Things that come along with being royalty and all this. And by the way, this whole idea of having a royal family is just fucking stupid anyway. But that's for another yeah. that's for another show. He was doing totally fine. And then he starts dating Meghan Markle. Mm-hmm. She claims in this interview mm. that she never Googled Prince Henry. Had no idea he was a prince when 
she met him. Hmm. And I'm like, okay. The whole reason why we're even talking about this stupid fucking interview is because Americans are obsessed, mainly American women, are obsessed with the British royal family. Yeah. And now you're trying to tell me that this American woman has no idea who the fucking prince in Eng- of England is. Yeah, I'm not I'm again, not buying it. Again, not a great actress. No. I, I, okay, do you know how old she is? I mean, she's 39 years old. Yeah, so in our, exactly our age. And it's like, dude, I, I don't buy that she had no prior knowledge. I mean, when the Princess Diana, you know, paparazzi crash happens, mm-hmm. that's all I heard about um, for probably four or five months straight. At least. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, and if you I, had a sister, mm-hmm. you could double that. Yeah. Well, if you had a mother, you could triple that. Oh, Jesus Christ. I think we're still living with it, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> I think if Princess Di did not die, I don't, I don't think Meghan Markle would be in that family. No. And speaking of which, you know, I, Megan, I, I can never, you know, I'll, I'll take credit for the fact I know next to fucking nothing about your upbringing and what you've had to go through, what toils you had to overcome to get where you are. But, you know, I feel bad still for him. Just, I mean, even though, you know, supposedly growing up in a life of privilege, your mother was killed by the same media that harasses you on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, and, and then having to grow up with that, with a smile, mm-hmm. you know, it, there is something extremely disturbing about that to me. And so, you know, sure. Uh, we still might be in the grips of, uh, certain social maladies that we still have not overcome, but I, I still, honestly do not understand how I don't I, we bring her place up in this as absolute struggle and we really don't actually connect with his at all yeah and and prince harry actually mentions his mom in this because it ties together they were uh they say pushed out of the royal family last year or cut off financially and so if anybody's curious well how in the hell are these, this new couple making it? But I've got what my mum left me. And yeah. without that, we would not have been able to do this. Okay. So, you know, touching back on what you asked him, what my mum would think of this, I think she saw it coming. So what he, what he fails to mention there is that Princess Di willed Prince Henry 10 million pounds. Hmm. Just in case if some future shenanigans were to arise, because there's, I, I, all this is new to me. I knew none of this uh, a mere two and a half days ago. And I was living quite a nice life without this knowledge, but it's in there now, so it's, I'm going to share it. There's a part in this interview where Megan is complaining about, you know, oh, the our sons aren't going to have a title, they're not going to have an heir to anything, and it's it's all because they just they're so racist against her because she's not pure white or whatever. It's all bullshit. There's a handful of 
other royals that don't have titles and that are not in line for the throne. They're yeah. not special in this way. She just she's making it up and as far as it being all about her. Um but the reason to me Princess Di was 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 murdered. She was pushed out sure. of the family because it's it's been admitting admitting to if that's a word that uh, Princess Di she was not uh, loyal, I think you could say, to Prince Charles back no. in the 80s. Yeah. Princess Di was sleeping with a James Hewitt. Hmm. Now, if anybody knows what, who, uh, what Prince Charles looks like and then puts him next to a picture of Prince Henry, you would say, huh. It almost looks like, I don't know, there was some more dominant DNA hmm. that took over in this. And it doesn't really come out looking too much like Princess Di. Now, if you pull up a picture of James Hewitt and take a gander at him, <laughs> I'm showing Arona right now yeah. a, a, a picture, a side profile of James Hewitt and Princess Henry, or Prince Henry. Oh, Oprah. Spitting fucking image. If only you had realized you had in your grasp a callback to your shows back before you were, you know, the commander of O Network. Yeah. 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 Tell me, tell me, um, here, now I'm showing a, Rona a picture of Prince Charles on the right, Prince Henry in the middle, and James Hewitt on the left. Tell me which one appears to be the father. Uh, the one without scoliosis. Yeah, the one with red hair, maybe? Yeah, just a one, touch? Yeah, the one who uh, who looks like a model compared to the guy <laughs> who <laughs> looks like a poor mix between Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. I'm, eh, fuck it. We're now going to get into a little bit of conspiracy theory. The queen hated Princess Di because uh, she, she practiced infidelity. Um, and I believe that Prince Henry is the bastard son of James Hewitt, which means he had no uh, lineage to the actual royal family mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. So he's not a true prince anyway. And they knew that, which is why he said, my mom willed me 10 million pounds because she saw this coming. Sure. Now, I think that the royal family has always known but has decided to deal with it with class, and that is, we'll treat him as our own, we will raise the boy, and we will, we will take him into our family, just hoping that he latches on to this royal life and mm -hmm. doesn't go marrying some American wench <laughs> that, just, that tries to destroy our entire institution. See, I actually see this as you know, uh, a partnership, honestly, between uh, Harry and Meghan and the royal family to keep the royal family um, even a little bit relevant. Because their relevance, I mean, even in their own backyard, other than, you know, just staunch... I, 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 from the sounds of it, listening to other British people, they... Nobody there seems to give a shit either. In fact, m for the most part, 
a lot of times American, like I said, middle-aged women seem to have more of a desire to follow the royal family than most average average British people. So to me, this is half-baked, half-cocked idea of a family to keep themselves in the media's eye, um, even though they, they have dwindling, you know, actual interest. Not to mention, right now, uh, the news could easily be about, you know, certain pedophiles within the ranks. No, that's true. And I think that they would rather cover up for that than have to really deal with a hen in the fox house, mm-hmm. which is, I know that it's a fox in the hen house, but in this case, it's, it's reversed. I, I, saw what you, I saw what you were playing with there. So to me, you got two people that have no claim to the throne bitching in America as millionaires mm-hmm. to a billionaire in Oprah yeah. at one of her friend's uh, estates. Hmm. And they film this interview, put it up on American television for more girls like Meghan Markle to just swoon over and just be like, oh, poor them. They're never going to get all of the royalties that they were you know, supposed to get and have all this fake emotion about people that are just people. Yeah. So my final conclusion in all of this is shut up meg and that's it i don't think anything else needs to be said in place of that no no and if i was more creative i would have made it rhyme but i just figured i would get straight to the point yeah speaking of rhyming and also apparently making a few points of his own let's get back to what we actually know and that is cancel culture uh one dr seuss has mm. met the fate of, well, the Land O'Lakes Indian lady on the butter, mm. Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben, uh, Mr. Potato Head, and Mrs. Potato Head, uh, the Washington Redskins, the Cleveland Indians. Ah, oh, shit. Uh, all of them. All of those evil, horrible fucking bastards. Inward Jim. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> Every last one of them. Yes. Here we go. Out of Breitbart. Ooh, we're going far right. (laughs) Well, tell, I mean, uh, before we get into it, just, uh, I mean, none of the works in which have been banned were any any flagships of Dr. Seuss, really, right? Mm, No. No, I don't. I think uh, there's six books that were removed from, well, the public sphere. And I think out of the six, maybe maybe two of them I've actually even heard of before. Which two? And to think I saw that on Mulberry Street and if I ran the zoo. I think I may have heard of if I ran the zoo. Well, let's read through the list. Sure, sure. So, I titled this, Horton Hears a Dog Whistle. <laughs> Dr. Seuss Gets Cancelled. The six books in question are If I Ran the Zoo, McKellicott's Pool, On on Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Eggs Super, sounds like words are out of order there, 
the cat's quizzer and and to think I saw that on Mulberry Street. I think I've heard of the last one too. Well, yeah, well. potentially. So, Breitbart goes into this by saying, President Biden dropped Dr. Seuss from Read Across America Day, failing to mention the famed children's author in his presidential proclamation, a decision that coincided with six of the beloved author's books being pulled from publication for racist and insensitive depictions. Okay, so these were actually pulled out of print, um, and Dr. Seuss wasn't even mentioned by name. While both former President Obama and and Trump included Dr. Seuss in their proclamations of the past, Biden bucked the tradition and omitted any mention of the author or his legacy. Quote, On this Read Across America Day, we celebrate the parents, educators, librarians, and other champions of reading who help launch our nation's children on that critical path, the, proc- the proclamation read in part. With no mention of the author, whose real name is Theodore Seuss, Geisel? Uh, sure. Okay. But it's Dr. Goddamn Seuss. Yeah, no shit. Similarly, a Virginia school system, Loudoun County Public Schools, also omitted the books from its Read Across America lineup, citing racial undertones in the books. See, now I need to know what's in these books. Yeah, for sure. And uh, might I add that, you know, there's no better way to kick off a summer of reading and learning uh, by utilizing censorship. Yeah, put the books down. We got riot season around the corner. <laughs> Quote, these books portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong, Dr. Seuss Enterprises told the Associated Press, claiming that ceasing sales reflects just, quote, part of our commitment and our broader plan to ensure Dr. Seuss Enterprises catalog represents and supports all communities and families. The company said it made the decision after listening to feedback from its audience which included teachers and, quote, specialists in the field. Hmm. We then worked with a panel of experts, including educators, to review our catalog of titles, it said. Obama mentioned Dr. Seuss specifically in 2016 with a proclamation reading, March 2nd is also the birthday of one of America's revered wordsmiths. Theodore Seuss, or Dr. Seuss, used his incredible talent to instill in his most impressionable readers universal values we all hold dear. That's a quote from Obama. Hmm. Man, a lot has changed in five years. Yeah. So presidents up until the last one, including the one before the last one, Hmm. never saw a problem with Dr. Seuss. No, not one. Apparently, these, uh, well... Members of the audience that were teachers and, quote, specialists in the field. I think we talked about specialists a few weeks ago. They seem to have gone back through the, the evidence of Dr. Seuss's obvious racism and uh, discovered some new shit that just nobody wanted to bring up. That guy must have been a hell of a writer. I know. You know, I can only assume this happens, you know, shortly after watching the Coke training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Son of a bitch. Working in these tight quarters. <clears throat> Much less tight than the basement we usually work in, but sure. Yeah, I think it's just <laughs> the way it's set up. Yeah. So, coinciding with this Dr. Seuss canceling, uh, and six books being taken out of print, basically. Amazon 
is quietly banning books containing undefined hate speech. Undefined. Undefined speech. Now, remember, March 2nd is Dr. Seuss's birthday. It's also when this Read Across America thing, that, that same week it gets kicked off. As soon as it comes out saying we're taking these books out of print and all this other stuff, or actually, the same, pretty much the same exact time, the Epic Times releases an article literally titled, Amazon quietly bans books containing undefined hate speech. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. If it's undefined hate speech, but Amazon is now banning these books, that just means that Amazon has taken upon themselves to call these things racist or whatever. They've, you know, hitherto previously been classified as just speech. Oh, they were totally okay, but now... We're having an, well, I have an old article right here. Uh Uh-oh. Amazon has adopted a rule against books that contain anything the company labels as, quote, hate speech. It appears there was no announcement of the new rule. It was only noticed by the media after the online retailer recently banned a book that criticizes transgender ideology. Mm. It isn't clear what Amazon means by, quote, hate speech, or even if it used that label to drop that particular book. In general, in general parlance, Americans hold widely diverging views on what constitutes hate speech. Quote, as a bookseller, we provide our customers with access to a variety of viewpoints, including books that some customers may find objectionable, an Amazon spokesperson, an Amazon spokesperson told the Epic Times in an emailed statement. Quote, that said, we reserve the right not to sell Certain content as described in our content guidelines for books, all retailers make decisions about what selection they choose to offer, and we do not take selection decisions lightly. And then it just goes on into more corporate speak about how we are looking at everything and blah, 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 blah. But they're banning books that they don't want out there. But at the same time, right before we went on this very night, Mm. I checked because also talking about the Dr. Seuss deal, those six books immediately were going uh, up for sale or up for bid on eBay and were getting thousands of dollars. I bet. Because you immediately get this amount of press around it. And then also at the same time, tell us how it's an immediate limited edition copy because they're never going to get printed again. Mm -hmm. You're only going to jack up the price of it. Yeah. So eBay came out and stopped people from being able to post those six books up for sale. So now you no longer have the option to go buy them, even if it's just out of pure curiosity. Mm. You can't do that. And I've looked all over the internet. (laughs) I cannot find excerpts of these books uh, that are now deemed too dangerous for me, an adult, to go purchase if I so chose to. But both eBay and Amazon are still selling first edition copies, mind you, as well as updated versions of fucking Mein Kampf. Mm. And maybe, you know, re-educate our audience. What is Mein Kampf exactly? Oh, it's a literary masterpiece. Of course. Obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still being sold by Amazon. They only have sure. the best. Yeah. It, it clearly passed the highest 
rigorous standards for literary works that are going to be sold on their platform. Mm-hmm. So uh, they don't sell anything bad. I mean, no, there's nothing they sell that could potentially be looked at as anything other than positive. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, it might be just my puny brain uh, overthinking here, uh, but definitely someone who murdered millions of Jews um, has much fluffier and uh, less problematic thoughts in his head um, than, say, the world's most beloved children's book writer. You know, I, I just think, you know, Amazon in itself, um, they're, they're, they're actually taking a, uh, you know, a new stand on, on publications here. You know, why burn books when you can just change them? Oh, exactly. That's not 1984 at all, by the way. I mean, and okay, so I, I love how people bring this up as, well, this is just the corporate world watching their back. This is not censorship. They have the clear ability to, you know, um, decide what is and what is not on their platform. Um, however, they make these decisions to their own. It, it, it only goes past them. They, they don't have to actually um, broach this topic with the originators of the actual, um, you know, literature, which I, I don't, I mean, j- just the mil- the number of ways that this pisses me off, I don't think that I could actually uh, monosyllabically explain, you know. Yeah, no, and it's not, you know, when we first started this podcast, it was always like, can you believe how short-sighted these decisions are or can you believe that they're willing to do this like you know twitter taking trump off their platform that's gonna only hurt twitter like why would they do something you know espn going woke and the nba going woke and the the nfl you know getting into that and all of their ratings going through the shitter and espn laying off like firing like thousands of employees like, why are they making these decisions? That's so stupid. It's not. It's not stupid, though. No. It's intentional. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is not something that... They aren't fumbling around into making mistakes haphazardly. Or they're not just caving to a small minority of the, the, vo- the vocal minority of the woke crowd. No. This, when you have every major corporation in America all working in the same direction. And when you have, you know, Amazon and Google and Facebook and Twitter all working at the same time to push out people that are espousing a certain mindset or uh, frame of thought that goes against what they, you know, are, are pushing towards, you, you're going against their grain. It's no longer them just haphazardly making these really stupid business moves it's they are this is okay well fuck it i'm gonna sound q as fuck but i don't give a shit this is what they're talking about when they say there's a cabal there's a group of elite uh you know globalists or whatever but uh, there is a small number of super powerful influential wealthy people 
that are pushing everything in a direction. They are sure. they are forcing everything into uh, a progressive direction, and it's been going on well over a hundred years. This isn't anything new. Mm. Um, go read the book. I, I believe it's by Murray Rothbard, The Progressive Era. This shit's been going on since ooh the late eighteen hundreds is when mm. it started. Okay, it really kicked off after World War One, especially here in America. Around that time, you started getting more institutionalized things like the the Federal Reserve, the income tax, and all these other programs that started coming in to where there was less and less individualism, more and more dependence on large uh, government structures mm-hmm. that were going to be leading us into the future. Because uh, back then, it was regular people can't make these decisions these big decisions for themselves they need us to make the right decisions for them yeah and then slowly over time they will doubt okay let's give women the right to vote let's let's give everybody the right to vote and in fact they just passed a, a house resolution bill um that we won't get into this episode we'll save that for later but to where it it expands voting rights to to non-citizens it's straight up in it's it's gonna be law if it passes the senate and it probably will um to where it's on the non-documented citizen to notify their local uh government hey i'm not a citizen i shouldn't be able to vote (laughs) now if they do that they will Mm. likely immediately get thrown in jail or deported but if, so it sounds extremely advantageous for them to do so. And if they don't notify them, hmm. it's not against the law. They can go vote because they're going to be automatically registered. Th- these are all things that are moving in a direction to where they're going to say, well, yeah, these are voting rights. You don't want to take away people's voting rights. We need to expand uh, everybody's ability to be heard to as many people as possible. Knowing that all that's going to do is allow a lot more shenanigans and a lot, they're going to be able to control and manipulate this whole thing to where um, it's not going to matter if Nike is going woke and Gatorade's going woke and Amazon's, you know, obviously being hypocritical. Like none of these things are what should be getting people caught up at. Can you believe they're canceling Dr. Seuss? Now we'll cover it because we, I think it's a ridiculous story. Of course. And I think it would just be stupid to not at least address the craziness that's going on, but it's not these, I I read off the list of, you know, Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben and the Redskins logo and all, you know, all these things that are being, that we're being told are unacceptable for us to consume as adults. Mm -hmm. That's not by accident. They're, they are giving into this small vocal minority but that's because that's the direction we're going whether you like it or not that's where we're going you know ubi 15 dollars minimum wage uh all these things are coming yeah whether you want them or not and most of us don't want them no no and the only way that they're going to be able to get people you know or keep people from fighting against this is by just calling everything racist uh-huh. because being racist 
if we can just look at Amazon and eBay, being racist is far worse than being Hitler. Remember when Hitler used to be the worst thing you could be? Oh, yeah. Well, no. If you're a racist scumbag like Dr. Seuss, Mm -hmm. you got to get the fuck out of society. Of course. Because you are now worse than Hitler. We will still make money off of selling Hitler books. Uh Uh-huh. Because being Hitler is still bad, but being a racist, now that's the worst. Well, you know, Hitler only killed, uh, you know, a few million Jews, uh, whereas hate speech can affect more than that, or at least that so they'll have you believe, because I still believe it's complete and utter bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, I'll go ahead and say it, there's no such thing as hate speech. Hate speech doesn't exist. Hate crimes don't exist. Um, you're, you're putting an emphasis on something that there's already standards for, or, mm-hmm. or I guess against. If you go up and beat the shit out of somebody, even if you truly did it because that person is another race than you, assault is already illegal. Yeah. The reason why you did it doesn't matter. Yeah. Which, you know, somehow becomes even more abhorrent when you attach an ideology to it, which I, I, I think hatred on its own should in itself be the thing that we look at as uh, the problem. Yeah, it's, to me it's the same as saying that man committed violent murder. As opposed to what? Peaceful murder. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're taking of You someone's- mean an oxymoron. Yeah, it, it's saying this man wasn't thinking straight when he did something abhorrent. It's like, well, probably. I don't even think that needed to be said. This no. seems pretty fucking redundant. You know, a hate crime. Well, the only important thing is, is that there was a crime. But what they want you to focus on is the hate. Because if you remove the crime, the, the hate is still just as bad as the crime. It's like, no, it's not. You are free to be a hateful asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah. So attaching hate to something that's already a crime is meaningless. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, they also say, well, it was a crime of passion. Oh, well, then let them off. Oh, no. no, But you're not, though, because it was still a crime. Crime, yeah. So why, why attach anything to make it sound doubly bad? You know, a crime of passion is still going to get you the fucking chair if, uh, Regardless of how much you love that person. Sure. So anyway, that's kind of a tangent, but I know it's, it's easy to get wrapped up emotionally and, well, no, hate speech is a thing because they're saying bad words and they have bad intentions. Okay, well, then you just summed up exactly what hate speech is. It's bad words with bad intentions. Mm-hmm. Why do we need to, oh, well, these words are extra bad. Eh, well, go fuck yourself. Tell me which one of those words is extra bad. Yeah. I'll have George Carlin tell you which one of those words is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay, so no matter what, we're all moving in this direction. Now, I, I hate it all. I hate all the woke shit. I hate all the race shit. I hate all the, the everybody's a bigot or a misogynist shit. I don't give two flying fucks about any of that. Sure. In fact, I will rail against it every chance I get. I mean, most of this shit just sounds like it was left, it it should have been left and was left on the cutting room floor of Demolition Man. 
This feels like the preamble to exactly what became, you know, the society of, you know, playing 50s jingles on the radio because everything else was too dirty. And, you know, every restaurant is now Taco Bell. I mean, it, it just, this is what, you know, it, looking at these movies way back when, we laughed our asses off because, like, oh, man, that will, that'll never happen. And now we're just sitting here going, holy shit, it might fucking actually be happening. All I know is if they don't teach me how to use the seashells in the bathroom, that's a fucking hate crime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hells yeah. <laughs> There'll be some murder, death, kills up in this motherfucker <laughs> real quick if somebody doesn't get with their shit. But like I said, we're we're moving in this direction, and obviously, I've I'm not going to w- spend any more time about how not on this fucking plan I'm on, or uh, I'm not on this team. I'm not a progressive. I'm not a modern day liberal. I respect the classical liberals, the ones who actually stand for individual uh, freedom and liberty, which is the whole liberal is for liberty, and that's an independent thing, and all of that shit, I'm down with that. But it's been co-opted so bad that just to make my point clearer or easy uh, for modern-day people to understand, I'm, I'm not woke, I'm not a progressive, I am not a liberal, I'm actually now getting to the point of being anti-left. Modern day left, I am against that shit. And, I, you know, I'm the closest person on the show to um, being liberal. And I, I very much used to identify myself that way until it became very obvious to me. Uh, it's come to a place, you know, I, I do hate when other individuals feel it necessary to make another person feel bad. I do. I, I, I don't like seeing the little guy uh, taken advantage of or uh, being subjected to um, just horrendous hatred or whatever the case may be. But to me, true freedom from such um, crime is not by taking the ability for the crime to be uh, perpetrated by the individuals that are perpetrating said crime. It's by giving freedom to the individual that the crime might have been done upon, which is more, you know, you have the ability in this world to, yes, look at speech that is intended to hurt you and let it slide off of you. In fact, that's more powerful. I, I, I think this whole, you know, creating the responsibility. No, but I mean, seriously, I, I mean, the only way uh, to remove anyone from the bondage of another person's hateful speech is by removing the ability of the speech to have the desired effect. Give people freedom of all the external bullshit by freeing them of giving a shit about it. I mean, if another person says something that you do not like, then you do not need to be around said person. It's very much like um, used to be said, 
If you don't like the content of what is being said on the radio station that you are listening to, turn the fucking channel. So guess what, liberals and all wokies? Don't get on the next person that makes a quote that you find disconcerting or damaging. Turn the fucking channel. Leave them without a platform to speak on. Because guess what? You are creating their platform by granting it any attention. True. True that. No, and I think the reason why a lot of times I side more with people on the right is they're not pushing their bullshit on me. Mm-hmm. For the most part, they just they want they want to leave me alone as much as I want to leave them alone. Sure. And apparently leaving another person alone is not a winning strategy. That's not that's no longer an option. Is no that you must accept this plan that is coming that is going to be forced upon you. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this is something that's been in the works for since before we were born, and it's only picking up spe- uh, steam and speed. And so, if the worst thing that you can be right now is racist, well, then the only thing that's important is that we must beat racism. And what's the best way to do that, Arona? Hmm. Unleash reparations. <gasps> Now, that sounds like the kind of solutions that I could get behind. Uh, not really. Yeah, so it. I got two articles that I'm going to read through. One on the national level, as far as what's going on with reparations on a federal level. Then I have a, uh, a particular story out of Illinois where reparations are already going into motion. Okay. So this is out of the Epoch Times. But this came out March 1st, 2021. Senior Biden advisor says White House will start acting on reparations without Congress. No need to wait on that old fucking institution. Let's just run everything out of the White House. Of course. A senior advisor to President Joe Biden said the White House will act without Congress to develop proposals for reparations or direct payments to African Americans. White House senior advisor... Cedric Richmond told Axios on February 28th, quote, We don't want to wait on a study. We're going to start acting now. We have to start breaking down systemic racism and barriers that have held people of color back, and especially African Americans. We have to do stuff now. Man, I just love those. Act without any detail. Yeah, I especially Stuff. like uh, yeah government officials using such complex language as stuff. Yeah. yeah. So some of the stuff that he's talking about, he continues. Please quote, illuminate me. Quote, if you start talking about free college tuition to historically black colleges and universities, and you start talking about free community college and Title I and all of those things, I think that you are well on your way, he said noting that a timeline for Congress's commission to study reparations wasn't known. Legislation for reparations was first introduced by Representative John Conyers, a Democrat out of Michigan, in 1989. In recent years, uh, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, a Democrat out of Texas, has repeatedly introduced the measure. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki last month told reporters that Biden is open to creating a commission to study the proposal. 
she says, quote, he certainly would support a study of reparations. He understands we don't need a study to take action right now on systemic racism, so he wants to take actions within his own government in the meantime. Hmm. So like I said, reparations are coming. It's funny, back here in the beginning of the article, he basically says that they're not going to wait or they're going to act without Congress to develop proposals for reparations or direct payments to African Americans. Now, you and I growing up, reparations to me were always, we, we're going to cut a check. Mm-hmm. We're, gonna, sure. we're just going to transfer funds over to African Americans. Yeah. And so that's what we always grew up with was that black people just give them money. You know, the whole 40 acres and a mule. We're just going to convert that into uh, actual liquid funds. Yeah. And then we're good. Yeah. The sin was no longer committed because we have cleansed ourselves of it by paying money somehow that, you know, erases all the sins that were, you know, done. Yeah. No harm, no foul. Yeah. So, so reparations isn't going to just be that. It's going to be that and free college and everything that they're, they're going to break their backs bending over to try to make up for something that no one alive had anything to do with. How are we coming on the uh, reparations for the Chinese that build our infrastructure? Ah, uh, they seem to be doing fine. Really? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. They're, yeah. I mean, come on, man. They're carrying out global pandemics. They are operating at a very, <laughs> very high, high click right now. Like, I don't think they need our help. Good God. Yeah. Can you imagine what they could, what they could actually uh, unleash on the world if they were receiving American funds to research virus. Oh, oh wait. fuck. Shit. It's you already see, happening. You see what happens <laughs> when you start giving money to people that you've done bad things to in the past? I don't know if this is such a good idea, Rona. Oh, yeah. I don't think so. I think a bowl. Of- Never mind. I'm not going to say Oh, that. shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I do want to point. <laughs> No, I, I, I think it's worth uh, pointing out that 80% of the individuals that would be paying into these reparations, the families in which they represent were not around when the atrocities were committed. Yeah. And I'm being generous by saying, you know, that 80%. I, 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 I would actually gr- go further and probably say even a larger percentage, especially when you, uh, you know, factor in co-mingling with, you know, people from outside of the country. I mean, the people that were responsible for this um, are no longer here. And so you're only really creating a symbolic olive branch. And I mean, it's like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder. It's pretty much one of those things where you can either decide to see it as something, uh, you know, worthy of our time or not. It, it, I don't know. I mean, I almost cannot give this a um, logical and intelligent um, conversation just from the fact it just seems so idiotic to me. Yeah. Well, you're, you're already up against the wall because 
they've already stated what the intentions of these reparations are, which is to make up for the past transgressions against slaves in America. Mm-hmm. And because we are all working under the, the obvious idea that slavery is bad and it's wrong and it's evil, it's immoral, it's reprehensible and all that stuff, you must go along with anything that is mentioned to try to make up for something so bad. Because the inherent idea is if you're not in lockstep with it, then you must be in some manner okay with slavery. Mm-hmm. And racism. Well, of course. You are automatically racist if you do not believe uh, that these reparations should be paid. Well, racist, obviously, because the only slaves that have ever existed were black. Of and it course. was always perpetrated by white people. Mm-hmm. That's the only oh, slaves yeah. that have ever existed. Um, and that's the only history that you need to know, is that slavery only existed in America, and it was only carried out by white people on black people. There was never a black slave owner Especially not in America. Never. And never in Africa. Of in fact, not. there wasn't ever a single slave that was sold by black people into the slave trade that were comprised of a multitude of races. No, 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 no. That is see, now I'm getting all confused because I'm I'm working against the the obvious history that we're all supposed to just know by now is that slavery was created by white people in America only to be super mean to black people that we ripped out of Africa. Mm-hmm. No other. No. There's nothing else. There's absolutely zero other details in that. Yeah. So if you're against making up for that horrible one-time occurrence in America, or in human history, then obviously you must want to bring slavery back mm-hmm. and be super mean to black people. Of course. That's the only... Mm-hmm. That's the only logical conclusion. I mean... Yeah, why would there be anything else? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so that was hard to pull off. I'm yeah, not going to lie. Yeah. That was the most sarcastic moment I think we've ever uh, run. But like I said, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm just a white guy. Why do I even, why do I even try to weigh in on reparations? It's, it's not for me. So let's go to our resident expert on all things black culture in America. And that is Charlemagne the God on his uh, recent appearance on Bill Maher, where this exact topic was brought up. All I know is, uh, you know, my trusting of someone who changes their name over to the God, you know, it, it, it's almost like uh, asking uh, Ja Rule about his thoughts on 9-11. It's murder. That's what he would say, because <laughs> it was. Last month, the Biden administration said, speaking of money, they want to study reparations. Study it. Um, Compensate descendants of slaves for unpaid labor by their ancestors. Jen Psaki, the press spokesman, said, we'll see what happens in the legislative process. Um, I'm curious where you are on this issue. I mean, it's a it's there's a collective guilt that's asking individuals to recompense. I think that's 
how we would frame that? Um, listen, I think reparations have to happen for black people. You know what I mean? Because slavery was America's original sin. And I really don't think no good is going to come to this country until they atone for their original sin, which was slavery. I mean, we- all right. And we're going to stop it right there or pause it right there. He's so dead ass wrong. Wasn't the Trail of Tears uh, America's original sin? Well, that could be argued. Um, not the Trail of Tears. That wasn't until the, the uh, that was after we started enslaving people from Africa. Yes, but our violence upon the Indians still predates uh, our institutionalizing of slavery, does it not? Well, yeah, yeah. There was way slaughtering other people was a thing way before slavery was ever even thought of in America. Yeah. Well, oh, I guess because they were already Americans, it doesn't count. Well, Native Americans aren't black. Mm. So I guess he's kind of forgetting about the entire Native American genocide. Yeah, conveniently. But as far as the entire Native American thing, and I don't want to get too far off on this, uh, that was something that happened. Every time any group of more advanced people uh, clashed with less advanced people. Not saying it was good, not saying it was bad, just saying how else did people think it was going to go? It's, and how else did it happen throughout history? No different. No, not at all. Um, the only reason why, you know, one culture succumbed to another culture, it's not because they thought, hmm, this seems like a good idea. No. These people were fucking conquered, usually raped, pillaged. Their entire um, livelihood, their entire culture, completely torn to shambles in front of them. That is how it's been done ad infinitum throughout fucking history. And yeah. it's not right. No, we're not. We're, we're actually, I mean... I am thankful that throughout history we have come to a point where we realize that such things are barbaric, even though they're still happening. But that being said, enlightenment comes to to this point because we have, you know, realized the errors of our ways, or so they like you to think. I just, I, you know, you'll never convince me to how money is the answer to any of this. You'll never also uh, convince me how the answer is getting people that had no part to play in the original problem uh, paying the money, how that has any part to do with it. Humans are no better today than they were back then. Not the reason why we've all decided to not be so barbaric is really selective. Mm. And where it does not occur which is most of modern-day Western cultures, is because we have a certain quality of life. I say all that to say we're not less barbaric because we're all of a sudden better people. Not at all. We're less barbaric because we don't have to be. Because we don't need to be. No. Because I don't need to go kill somebody to go get a gallon of milk. No. It's because I know that the, the, the coolers and the refrigerant system at my local Publix is keeping that shit cold for when I want to go get it. Mm -hmm. But if we were all in survival mode, 
at all times, there'd be a shitload of genocide going on all around us at all times, just yeah. like it used to be before the industrialization of Western civilizations. Mm. It's we are we are seconds or just nanoseconds on the great timeline of human history away from our most barbaric versions of ourselves. The only difference is, is that we're sheltered from uh, the weather outside. Uh, I, I own a dog that thousands of years ago, I'd have to kill and eat so, because one of us was going to eat each other yeah. to survive. Because your dog was then a wolf. Exactly. Yes. So people forget because if you don't look backwards in time to how the world used to be, to see how far we've come, you have no perspective of of reality. Mm-hmm. You're 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 sounding like Charlemagne the God, thinking that America's original sin is slavery. It's the most retarded thing that any one person could ever fucking say. Mm-hmm. But I, not to have this be a 15-hour episode, we'll get back into the video. My, my ancestors literally built this country for free. So when you see all of this money being thrown around, you know, $27 trillion in national debt, $1.7 trillion for failed F-35 fighters. Half a million for dogs. Half a million for fucking dogs. It's like if you're black in this country, you have to be like, well, what the hell? What's up with us? You know what I mean? So for me personally, but, I, I but again, I don't even see what the issue is. I don't well, that, the issue is that that's argue. the collective guilt. But individual white people are saying, I didn't do it. And, and my ancestors didn't even do it. And, and, you're, and, and you are not your ancestors. That's, that's I'm, the, a desc- the, I'm a descendant of those, of those ancestors. I know, but... Okay. Hey, listen, when a debt is old, a debt is old. Period. But you've got a lot of money, so you say you should get more. Um, should I get more? Well, no. I, you should, I'm, I'm you should a, get a check. Yes, I'm, not, I'm 97% West African, born in Charleston, South Carolina, so I should, I should definitely get a check. But if... if if, it, if it's to the point where, you know what, you make too much money, we don't think you deserve it, cool, give it to somebody who needs it. But to act like black people in this country don't deserve reparations is absolutely well, nuts to me. All right. Hey, that's a perspective sure. that I can't give to you. Because I'm not 97% Western no. African born in Charleston. I'm, well, I'm Scottish, German, French, and Cherokee born, uh, well, in Cherokee Nation. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. in North Georgia. Um, so, and also my ancestors, Scottish and German and French and uh, whatever, didn't even come over here until after the potato famine, after my whites yeah. uh, ancestors were dying because there wasn't enough potatoes. Yeah. If anybody studies their history, slavery was, oh, well, well established in America. In fact, I think it was coming to an end. Yeah. Uh, by the time that, you know, the Scots and the Northern Europeans were running out of their taters. So, and the other part of my ancestors were already uh, murdered on grand scales before Africans ever showed up. So, yeah. so what the fuck do I owe any descendant of any group that had anything bad happen to them? You've got me. I mean, uh, honestly, uh, you know, for anybody who's been listening to this show since our first episode, they know far too well of my lineage. Um, yeah, and episode, uh, episode two, Dirty Jeans. Exactly. 
And the funny thing about that is my Mexican part of my ancestry was here long before my very white portion of my, uh, you know, uh, family uh, showed up. I, I, I believe that my, my mom's side of the family, um, you know, uh, got here in, in you know, the, around uh, 19, I, I think it was around the t- turn of the century. And I, I mean, I might be wrong as far as order goes there. It might have been. Uh, a little bit different than what I'm saying, but I mean, it, in all honesty, still, <laughs> it, it it's hilarious to me because, yeah, you know, my family um, was n- definitely not here during the times um, that any of this horseshit took place. In fact, uh, a portion of my family uh, could have very well have been outrunning um, you know, leftover violence from World War Two with the Jews. Yeah, I mean, so and th- and that's the whole point right there yeah. is everybody's history is different. Not everybody was here at the time that America kicked off. Yeah, or even before that. So, and our population has only grown, and everybody's mixing it up with everybody. So after this much time has passed, how the, f- you, you can't make it honest and legitimate. Like, I know this is going to come across as man, Jim is really anti black people because he's not going in lockstep with everything that's said about, you know, trying to at least acknowledge that slavery was a bad thing. Yeah. Slavery's terrible. Yeah, of course. But, because I, I believe in individual rights and you couldn't, you couldn't shit on somebody's individual rights more than owning someone because I believe that you own yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't really even need to be any more complicated than that. It doesn't. And I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is that any gestures that we might be making are purely 100% symbolic. Yeah. And what does that mean? Symbolic means that it does not actually mean anything. It's nothing. I, I like how we think that it's like, oh, okay, so, um, you know, we'll try a few things to uh, quell racism. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, so we'll try this over here. Okay, well, that didn't work. Have we tried paying them yet? <laughs> to me, the idea of reparations, the way that most people, the way that we laid it out earlier, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's a, it's a lump sum payment. Yeah. You should be offended by that if you're going to be anything. It's like, sure. so you think that if you truly believe that slavery is America's original sin and it's the worst thing that has ever happened in the history of humans, um, and it was all carried out only by white and everything I already said before. Sure. If you believe all of that and you believe that all of that can be made right by paying you off, I mean, what does that say about you? Mm-hmm. It means that your devotion, or at least your emotions, are for sale. Yeah. How manipulated do you think that makes you? I have a quick answer. Uh, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And let me, let me ask. I mean, once, once we've done this, does that mean racism is over? Does that mean that we will stop having these uncomfortable conversations? Um. I've got the answer already, you know, spoiler alert. No, it's not over. 
Well, yeah. No, nothing will change. No. All, all you're going to do, this will be far worse for black people. Uh, just 100%. If you give a one-time or even a, a like a, a 25-year overtime, you know, we're going to pay you 25 grand a year for the next 25 years for every black person, regardless if you uh, had ancestors here at the time of slavery, whatever. That will do far more damage to race relations and to the well-being of black Americans than, than I think anybody is willing to give honest credence to. Sure. There's going to be a lot of hateful motherfuckers. Yeah, there are. The resentment is only going to grow. Yeah. And if, if you don't have any knowledge about how to manage money, the only thing that's going to happen, and this is what, if, if, if I can get this message out to anybody, uh, or if I can get any message out, it would be this. And that is, what do you think is going to happen when you give um, an entire race of people, a lot of them are uh, under the poverty line or very poor, yeah. you give them a shitload of money. Now, are they going to invest that? Are they going to save it? Are they going to make that money work for them? Are they going to treat the money like the 1% treats the money? Or are they going to treat the money like the bottom 20% treats the money and immediately uh, put it right back into the economy and send it right back up to the 1%? Reparations yeah. is a meaningless gesture that's only going to enrich the already powerful and elite. And it's going to further deepen the divide between you and I, meaning the people talking on this podcast and the ones listening to it. It's going to deepen the divide uh, between the elite and the middle class. And what happens when you've got a extremely rich society and an extremely poor society? And that's there's no real in-between. That's pretty much at that point where you get communism. That is also very much where there's a, um, a privileged class, and no, not just white, just anyone who has money to their name. Mm -hmm. That is your privileged class at that point. And then there's everyone else who has to follow the doctrine that's put in front of them. That is what is be, being created for you. You are purchasing your subjugation. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not even going to get into the whole, where does the money come from and all this stuff. And you're going to sure. have to print more funny money. Like the whole idea of the national debt is just a fucking joke now. Anyway, like debt doesn't matter. That's just a realization that I think uh, conservatives or the tea party people or whatever, even libertarians need to just accept debt the national debt, it's meaningless. Yeah. It, it means nothing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's like the same idea as like, uh, you hear this a lot in sports. It's like, I can't believe Dak Prescott just, you know, signed a hundred plus million dollar contract. I, he's not worth that much. Yeah. Yes. He he's mm -hmm. worth whatever someone's willing to pay him. The national debt is only, uh, worth what people are willing to, to make it worth. Yeah. Yeah, sure, there's a number next to it, but if no one's collecting that debt, hey, if I rack up $2 million in debt, but I don't 
I don't really have to pay that back? Is that really even debt? No. So I'm not even going to get into the old arguments of where would we even find this money? There's an article I'm about to read uh, where they have an idea where that money's going to come from. But I do want to finish. <laughs> I do want to finish this video. Um, I knew that we were going to stop it. And I knew that we were going to talk about this. Uh, before anything, uh, if if anybody that is pro reparations and um, not as hard against the woke stuff as I am. Um, let me lend you an olive branch before we go any further. I'm not opposed to the descendants of slaves getting assistance. What I would propose, my proposal would be give them, uh, give them tax exempt status permanently for the rest of their lives. They don't have to pay as uh, any income tax, federal or state. They don't have to pay a state tax, uh, capital gains tax, uh, you know, nothing. Yeah. They, if the main claim is that they have been hoodwinked and mistreated, bamboozled, all of those by the government, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to pay for that. Yeah. I, I would actually 100% agree with that. Yeah, and that's two that that's uh that's that's double serving on my end. A, I think it gives them the most good to be able to keep more money than what any payments would be for a longer period of time. Uh more money in their pocket, which means they have more investing power, which means that they can improve their own communities the way that they see fit and not have major donors come in and sweep in and own their area. Um, they would keep more of what they produce and they're not, they're not contributing to the degradation that's being brought upon by our, our government. Because I also feel that taxation is, well, I know it's a little trite, but it's theft. Um, it, it leads to more evil things done to more impoverished people around the world than I would ever want to be done on my behalf. And so for me to be forced to pay for uh, all these terrible practices that I don't want to be any part of, I would love to be able to be tax exempt. I would love to not have to pay taxes. 100%. And choose which taxes I want to pay for the certain things that I would like. I would love for that to happen. Sure. But that's not the case. That's not what we're here for. Um, if you ask any of our government officials, so my, my, uh, reparations that I would be pushing for if I was African-American is fuck your check. I want tax exempt status. Mm-hmm. Start there. Yeah. Agreed. So just wanted to put that out there before we go any further. Cause I know that I've come across quite uh, harsh against this entire idea of reparations, and it's not because uh, black people might get a leg up. I, I think it will do the absolute, the absolute opposite. I think yeah. it would do the, uh, and I think people know that, and I think the motherfuckers in D.C. that are pushing for reparations are just that much more evil because they know it too. This is all just, it's deepening the chasm. It, it's one of those things where it's like, they want to ensure the division is only deepened, that it's, you know, further defined. And 
they're they're gonna stand back in pure love and admiration of all of the violence that they're gonna create over it. Well, not only that, you're gonna have the division while having a devoted voter base. Yeah. How the fuck are you not gonna vote for the guy that just sent you a twenty five thousand dollar check or whatever the fuck? They're but, literally buying your your love. They're 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 literally trying to buy your affection. But that's bullshit. I mean, I, I'm sorry. You, you know, the people that uh, you know, <laughs> they'll take the check, but it doesn't mean they support shit. And yeah, well, no, no I, I'm just saying. Are you going to vote for the guy who gives you the check, or the guy who doesn't, who is against giving you the check? I think there's quite a few people who see the person giving them the check as probably the person they need to keep their eye on. Yeah, maybe maybe 35 to 40% of all those people might, but not the other 60 to 65. I, see, I, I don't think, I, I actually think that I give more confidence to the base. That it's, that's, that that's, it's, that's why most mm-hmm. everybody who votes Democrat votes Democrat. Is because they're the that is the side that is offering more shit for me. Yeah. Well, but guess who is very much traveling away from that? I mean, your standard old school leftists are by and large fleeing. I mean, I'm not going to use myself as an example because I, I don't think that I've ever been a textbook anything. You know, I, I, I don't think you could have even at my most woke of days could have really called me an extreme leftist, but still, I, I mean, I'll put it to you this way. They okay. wouldn't be doing mm-hmm. this if it wasn't going to equal more votes. If it was going to equal Agreed. less votes, Agreed. they wouldn't ever entertain this. That's You still have to keep in mind who we're talking about here yeah, and what motivates them to do anything. It's not because they think this is going to be good. It's not because they think it's going to be evil. It's because they think and they know this is going to keep me in power. Yeah. That overrides any other rational outcome that we could come up with. No, 100%. Because that's their only rational outcome that they're looking for. No, I do understand what you're saying, but if our pre your you know our um current political climate has taught us anything is really that that stuff doesn't matter as much as we once figured it did. Sure, did Biden and I'm throwing up quote marks, did he win the election? Yes. But against what odds? against how big of a base and that base is not dwindling it's not like people are waking up after this election and going the errors of my way i have been cleansed no i get you but people voted for trump because they thought they were going to get something out of it yeah now some people vote for people because what they want to get out of it is to be left alone other people vote because well i'm I want my, you know, a lot of people on the right vote for the people that they vote for because they they think their taxes are going to get lowered and that their rights will be uh, honored more. Uh, they're always wrong, but people on the left typically vote left because 
I'm going to get free health care. I might get free college. I might get my rent extended or, you know, uh, tuition knocked down or I'm going to get vouchers for free cars or what. Everybody's looking for something. You're not 100% wrong because trust me, if the day ever uh, occurred that, you know, Biden announced that uh, everyone's student debt is wiped, I'd probably come on air and uh, give the man a hearty. Say you're riding for Biden? (laughs) I don't know about all that. Well, Uh, take it from a libertarian. (laughs) Take it from a libertarian. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think I'm moving into post-libertarianism where I'm, I'm kind of shedding that a little bit, but the principles are always going to be there. Take it from someone who supports a party that never wins because we never offer anybody anything. Yeah. The only thing that libertarians ever offer is we're, we're not going to do anything for you. All we're going to do is leave you alone. That thing that you claim you want, we're going to say you'd be better off without it. Vote for me. That's a losing strategy. That's why libertarians lose every important election. Sure. Because our whole basis is we want to get out of your way and not give you or take anything from you. People are like, I don't, I'm used to being taken from. How about you just start giving me shit? People vote on the idea that they're going to get something out of it. And if they don't feel they're going to get anything out of it, then they're not going to vote for it. But if you're literally giving money to people, you're going to gain more votes than you lose. That is a tried and true method. That Yeah, I can't argue with that. All right, let's get back to the video. Put it like this, America, just treat black people like they're F-35 fighter jets. You had $1.7 trillion to throw at that bullshit. Throw it at the people who actually built this country. But I don't see how anybody, but again, anybody you, can dispute that. But again, you didn't build this country. So you, what? Or you a, personally did. So, so what? I'm a descendant. I'm, but I'm, I'm saying we're, 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 we can't write a check to a ghost. You know? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Because, you know... The, Especially when the ghost's descendants are still here. Well, that's a descendant. Okay. Listen, let me ask you a question. How do you write the wrong of slavery, then? Well, I mean, I think reparations come in, can come in many forms. Why not? Cash but, is king. It's you. America. No, no, I, I, uh, I agree. I mean, I think reparations do <clears throat> come in many forms. We should be spending <clears throat> much, much more on the schools that serve black children. We should be spending much, much more on the infrastructure in black and in, in predominantly black communities. Okay, real quick. Um, this guy that's talking now is, uh, we've heard from Bill Maher and Charlemagne the God. This guy is Freak Bruni, a New York Times uh, columnist oh sweet i'm glad that we're not utilizing any journalists from any papers that are are extremely one-sided oh wait yeah so no this guy uh uh he's uh well he's just a dumbass you know i mean i'm what he just said i think we need to spend way much more money on uh uh, basically inner city schools i would love for this man to pull up financial reports for how much money uh, year over year over the last, I don't know, 40 years that has been spent on black private or public schools. It's astronomical. The, the, the school districts in this country that have performed the worst have received an ass load of tax money. 
of of investment. We've tried the just throw money at it. That's the problem with our entire system is we think if there's a problem, just throw money at it. Yeah. Because money fixes everything. They can only be experiencing uh, downfalls because of a lack of money. So just of course, give money to them. That's the whole idea of reparations anyway. Well, obviously, the only reason why they're not doing well is they were held back from making that money while everybody else around them was able to make money. And because they don't have money, that's why they're all fucked. So yeah. just throw money at them. It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, fuck, I can't. Like, just look at anybody that's won the lottery, that was impoverished, that came from multi-generation, uh, uh, you know, lack of wealth. How well do they handle that? It doesn't well. help. It doesn't solve any of their problems. In no. fact, it makes most of their family uh, resent that person because they're not willing to break off enough that would make them happy. Uh, it brings every lost cousin out of the woodwork. It brings every former friend out of the woodwork. It ruins their lives. Yeah. So just throwing money at something fixes nothing. Well, you know, throwing money at the problem of education is flawed on the face of it. Um, considering we've spent the better part of the last 20 to 30 years shitting on everything that made education great pretty much i i mean teachers aren't allowed to teach anymore no you know they're indoctrinators yes they you have killed the thing that made education worthwhile which was the passion behind the actual vocation of teaching because guess what? Money was never the object of teaching. It never has been, never will be, because teachers will never make their fair shake. At the end of the day, it, it was always a passion project. But guess what? Any teacher that you talk to within a few months to a few years of them being in the pro profession, that passion that they well cultivated to go through school to get there is fucking gone every bit of what made my favorite teachers my favorite teachers was dead five to ten years after i left those teachers yeah and, and it's because they were inundated with regulation they couldn't teach what they wanted to teach it was all based on the county's wants follow needs, follow, desires. follow the curriculum don't step outside of this. Yeah. You must teach them as though they're being taught by anyone. Mm. This can't be unique to the teacher. Again, that's, that's an individual trait. We yeah. got to break that out of you. Everybody's the same. Every teacher's the same. Every lesson should be the same. There is no nuance. Just black and white. Just give them the information that they need so they can pass a test so that we, the state, can declare them educated. It's bullshit. Yeah. It's treating everybody as a monolith. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I'm a, I'm a visual learner. I need to see it. No. Fuck you. you. Yeah. You, you must be able to read it. Yeah. And then the people that are like, well, I'm very, uh, you know, I need to read it. And then I learn it. No, fuck you. Yeah. You got to learn to draw it. It's like... Cater to what people are good at. The best teachers are the ones that utilize 
the the student skills to their betterment so that they can learn the best way. Now, and while also strengthening your weaknesses by building on your strengths first and then learning how to uh, attribute the way that you're capable of learning and to learning new ways to learn. But just to say there's only one way to learn, I mean, I can't imagine why our United States education uh, ranks have gone right to the shitter. Yeah. Um, progressively have been getting worse every year. <laughs> yeah. You would think the Department of Education would maybe want to correct this, but they're not. Same thing with the teachers' unions. How much money are those fuckers making um, off of sucking off of our tax funds? Well, you know, and yeah, no, agreed. And for <laughs> I would have been the first person to shit all over Betsy DeVos while she, she was in office. Um, but she did exactly 100% the same as everyone before her. Nothing. She didn't create worthy change. Nothing was done to create further education for your kids. No. The only good thing she did was not increase federal education budgets. Yeah. Because she already saw, why would I give you more money if you haven't produced any improvement in results every time we've given you more money? So at least you're not... The only good thing that she did was not further the the way in which we were still experiencing the same problems. She sure. didn't fix any of them no but we're talking about government here they don't fix anything <laughs> they they take more money to sure. say they're solving a problem they created but anyway uh just had to update you there's a new man on the mic this freak frank bruni this dipshit but uh he's gonna white knight for the next few minutes let's let's get a load of this hmm we should be doing all sorts of things to close the opportunity gap, which is enormous and which we've done a terrible job clo closing. A debt is owed, and that's one of the ways you repay it. Simple the as problem that. I have with the reparations conversation <clears throat> is the questions you were asking a moment ago, it's practically a non-starter. I mean, in terms of practicality, no one's going to agree on the terms. No one's going to agree exactly on the eligibility criteria. Nobody's going to agree on the amount, and it's politically very unpopular. And while we're talking about something that I don't think is passable, and that's why Obama didn't talk about it. Why is it not office. passable, though? What? Why is it not passable? Look at public opinion polls. It's just not going to get done. And and that's not about the merits. That's about the appeal out there. And in the meantime, there's so much we can <clears throat> and should be doing that could be called reparations about the debt we owe. Well, let's change the name. Call it economic equity packages. Whatever well, I mean, it is, I, I, as, as, I, I, as I, you said, a debt you, is You old. could say Obamacare, which, which helped black and brown people way more than white people. Obviously, all people can sign up for Obamacare, but that is the practical effect of it, is a form of reparations. Um, you know, I mean, there's a tax that everybody pays. It, I don't think it's capped. You, you know, rich people pay more. Those kind of solutions are different. I mean, can I listen to me what Glenn Larry says? He says, okay. it frames the moral claims African-Americans legitimately have in the wrong way. The idea this debt can be paid is a terrible idea. That's, um, that's his. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. With old Glenn Lowry. And we'll stop it there because it's just another couple minutes of them saying more of the same shit that we uh, were just listening to. But uh whole point here is that reparations are coming regardless of how negative their impact may actually end up being. Well, you, you had told me previous to the show starting, uh, and I think you've mentioned it already here, Indiana 
has already decided that they're going to, you know, spearhead this campaign just by doing it ahead of everyone else. Well, uh, Illinois. Illinois, my bad. An I state. And they're right next to each other. I get yeah. it. I get them confused all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, an Illinois city becomes the first in the nation to offer reparations to black Americans. This is out of, well, right here in Atlanta, the AJC. Uh, but if you just Google uh, Evanston, Illinois reparations, there's a litany of articles that are written about this. But this comes... Let's see. What's the date on this? March 2nd of this year. So this is recent. Evanston, Illinois has become the first city in the country to fund reparations in an effort to compensate black Americans for the loss of generational wealth due to inequality and (laughs) systemically racist policies that emerged after the era of slavery. And then it goes into the 158-year-old city located in Chicagoland along... The North Shore of Lake Michigan plans to distribute ten million dollars and or ten yeah ten million dollars in tax dollars to the cause over the next decade with twenty five thousand dollar payments to eligible residents beginning this spring. Well, Jim, where are they going to get the money? Well, Arona, this program is being funded by a three percent tax on newly legal recreational marijuana sales. Well, I am glad to see that they're not going after the source that they intend to pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so let's say you're a guy. You're a black guy. Okay. That would be eligible for these reparations. You're like, fuck, yes. Mm-hmm. But you also like weed. Yeah. And it just became legal in your area. And you're like, dude, double fuck yes. Mm-hmm. Now you, you take your money. You're you're already pre reparations money. Let's say you take like a hundred bucks of it, and you go down and you buy however much weed, legal weed in Illinois will get you um, with a hundred bucks. Okay. Well, good luck. I mean, well, good news, Buckaroo. Three of those dollars are coming right back to you. Sweet. Yes. So, I don't know, like. Sure, this is a nice little trial experiment. Let's see how it works out. But I mean, for fuck's sakes, man. Like, they might as well have just come out and said, this is going to be paid by a 10% tax on OE 40 ounces and cartons of Newports with a 3% sales tax on marijuana. It's like, Jesus, dude. It's almost like they're paying themselves. Hmm. Not to say that, uh, you know, blacks make up the, you know, biggest portion of marijuana users, but... Oh, no, marijuana is an equal opportunity. uh, And I'm, hey, I'm totally fine with this. I, you know, I've always been on the side of legalize weed and tax the shit out of it. Sure. And, uh, and pay for all the dumb fucked up shit that uh, I don't want to contribute, you know, my actual uh, wage earnings towards that's going to be deducted before I even get it. Mm-hmm. So at least there's a little bit of options over, well, you don't have to smoke weed, but if you're going to smoke weed, you're, you know, but again, that also goes back to the, um, if you're a white person in this area and you're buying weed, now you get to feel a little bit more high and mighty. Like, look Definitely at what high. I'm, look, yeah, <laughs> look at what I'm doing for, you know, all these, uh, 
black Americans around me. Like you, you become a little, I don't know. Uh, I, I imagine that it's probably going to blow up your ego a little bit. Oh yes. Snowflake pat yourself on the back as if we have not given you enough opportunities to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to smoke this way and be like, I'm doing my part, bro. <laughs> Nobody would be getting by unless I was, you know, yeah, man, just, this is, this is unity. So I, there's, there's too many, I've already come out so harshly against a lot of reparations. I can't really joke about it and have it come across as even funny at this point. I'm just going to sound like a sore loser, but it's obvious that it's funny as shit the way that it's going on here in Illinois, but let's see how it goes. Yeah. It's an area where obviously weed wasn't legal, uh, you know, until very recently. So I imagine that a lot of people in that neighborhood were getting arrested for selling weed and now they're going to get some money back for legally purchasing it or selling it or whatever. So I applaud the effort. Yeah. I think, um, I think if local communities want to do this more power to you, you know, have at it. I just don't think that there should be any federal reparations talk. Just don't make this into anything it's not, which is, I mean, sure, pay your reparations, but don't pretend like it's fixing anything. Don't pretend like it's going to create some kind of relief. It's not. It's a, like I said before, it's a purely symbolic effort, which means that you're going to get fuck all from it. And, I mean, could it allay uh, frustrations for a period of time, mm, unlikely, but potentially, um, I, if anything, I really do, as we've already said previously, it's going to deepen the rifts that are already there. I mean, there, there's only, <laughs> I, I'm just waiting for the first, like, you know, uh, extraordinarily woke individual to come out and just finally go, dude, this is some bullshit. Fuck this. And just completely topple the tower they've created for themselves. You know, as far as <laughs> being at the top of, you know, wokeism. Oh yeah. No, the, the, the entire idea of unintended consequences. Yeah. Coupled with blowback, uh, they solely exist. Don't in, talk to Americans about blowback. They don't get it. Oh no, I know, but I do. And the, the concept, those two concepts always exist in any government program. Yeah. And we're all about to see what that actually looks like. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing the idea of trying to uh, make up for something that you know is in our nation's history. Um, that is a fairly new notion that I've taken, but only if it's in the form of tax exemption. Only because I hate taxes more than uh, I think that we need to make up for slavery. Yeah, I, I see this for what it is in, in your realm, which is it, it furthers your uh, hope that we're all, um, you know, n not taxed at some point. Sure. Um, and if this leads to that, hey, I'm not, I'm being up front. Sure. This is what I want for everyone. Yeah. And so if we 
if we go ahead and utilize this in an effort to financially correct some of the wrongs of our history, which I think are fucking retarded to even try to do. But if we're going to go down that road and I think we're going down that road, regardless, let's try that one. You know, instead of, uh, giving money from the government to people that are only going to come back to the government. It's the same idea as this whole $15 minimum wage, uh, hike and it's being tossed around in, uh, DC, which is coming. It's going to happen. Maybe not on their first go around, but it will fucking happen in this term. I'm vehemently against any minimum wage. Um, but for those that are for it, th- here's the reason why you should be against at least a $15 minimum wage. Because why isn't it a $30 minimum wage or a $50 mm-hmm. yeah. or $100? Well, because I, I, because inherently, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but sure. because inherently you know that it that it can't just be infinite. And also, why would you want the people whose entire existence is supposed to be financed by our tax money to tell you or to tell a business you must pay that person $15 an hour? Now, what immediately happens to half of that? Immediately. It gets taken back by the government in the form of taxes. So while they're coming out saying we're fighting for you, what they're doing is they're giving themselves a pay raise. Remember who you're dealing with here. They're not claiming that you, the minimum wage worker, is worth more. They don't give a fuck about you. What they're telling you without saying it is, I want more. Yeah. And I'm going to get it from you. By making you think you're getting something out of this. any means possible. Never trust a politician. So that's why I'm against the minimum wage hike. Not because I don't want people to make more money. It's because the government should be nowhere near your money. Yeah. No, and for anybody in support of it, I direct them to watch Ralphie May, rest in peace, um, had a wonderful segment about uh, a $100 salad. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was either $99 or something or $100 salad. And he hit it 100% on the head. And, I mean, he was talking more about why labor from, cheap labor from other countries is utilized within our country, but it, it still serves to illustrate exactly how ridiculous um, the idea is to raise the minimum wage. All you're doing is, again, I mean, you're just, you're making it to where $15 is now going to be worth $7. Yeah. Basically what our minimum wage already is. You know, it might create a relief for you for a couple months. Mm -hmm. And then once the market stabilizes to the new, um, the new salaries, the new everything, you're not going to notice anything changed. Why? Because it didn't. All they have created is a further burden for you for years to come. Mm-hmm. And a higher barrier of entry for any company that wants to come in and compete in the market. That's also what's happening. Yeah. And they know that as well. So you're going to have more Amazons. Yeah. And less uh, you know, community bookstores because they won't be able to afford to open their doors. 
Correct. And this should scare the shit out of every one of you. Mm-hmm. But we can talk about this all. Everything we've talked about for the last, you know, however long we've been doing this podcast. Everything that is happening right now should concern you. No, should it take your life over? No. I mean, I, we've already uh, very much uh, come down on that as, you know, this should not be your main source of focus. Um, because guess what? You know, focus today and then don't think about it for six months. Once you come back, eh, you didn't miss anything. Yeah. I the mean, same bullshit is going on. I don't, I don't want anybody to be caught off guard by any of this stuff. <laughs> I, I don't think because I, to me, I think that I think that's the that's the greatest possible threat. Yeah, is people thinking that it's going to be one way, and when it's not, it it ruins their lives, or they're not prepared for it, or they didn't see it coming because they bought into this idea, or. Either they thought it was a good idea, or they thought, "Oh, well, there's nothing I can do, so I'm just going to." keep my head down and stop paying attention and just move on because it's going to happen regardless. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be. It requires effort. It, yeah. qu- it requires you paying attention to your local politics and paying attention to the news and listening to what people are saying and then reading through what they're saying to actually get to what they actually are wanting to do and then making an informed decision. That I think it's incumbent upon me, upon us, to educate anyone who is willing to listen to us so that they are not an uninformed voter. If we're going to open this bitch up to everybody, I want as many people to actually maybe not even agree with us, but be able to look past these stories and see what they actually truly are and not just what the, the headline is and what the political cannon fodder is, is we're doing all these great things. Look at all these. No, there's terrible things that are wrapped up in these things. Yeah. And if you don't understand what you're doing now, you're doomed to repeat it in the future. If you don't understand our history, you're also destined to repeat that as well. So anytime something is coming across as a, positive thing that the government is going to implement i guarantee you it's not no and stop if if i can educate just a handful of people that's a handful more people that now are open to a different way of thinking than if this podcast didn't exist no and i'd 100 percent support that i mean that's where i'm not one of those people that says don't you know, think about doing anything about it because you can't, you know, I I think that defeatist attitude leads exactly to what our government wants subservience. Yeah. I'm, I'm already looking beyond, you know, just sitting in my principled libertarian chair and just saying, Oh, well, there just shouldn't be any taxes. And that's, that's as far as I go. Or, you know, actually, I think there should be, you know, uh, I think every American should be given a gun, you know, because guns, guns, 2A, all that. It's like to just sit here in libertarian land and in what is known as Zancapistan, uh, <laughs> if you know what that is, then um, then good on you. You're you're further into the libertarian hole than most normal people. But to sit there and just say, 
that uh, I'm just going to sit back and rely on my libertarian principles. Well, congratulations. You're going to be get passed by. The rest of the yeah. world is not going to give two flying fucks about your principles. You can live by your principles, and you can look at stories and, and react to them based on how they are wildly falling short of your principles. Yeah. But it's not going to stop what's happening. Well, you know, you want to create a uh, informed voter. Have everyone in our populace burst their bubble. Whatever bubble you live in, where you receive your perfect news for your perfect little brain, now burst it. Stop receiving your information from one source. Stop seeking out people that you agree with. Start seeking out people that you don't agree with, but still respect their intellect. Yeah, I mean, fuck, I disagree like all fucking hell with Bill Maher. I think he's a hack. I think he sucks. Uh, occasionally he has good points, but I still watch him. Um, I, I still watch MSNBC and CNN, even though I couldn't disagree more with 90% of what they talk about. Um, but anyway, so last couple of stories real quick and real fast order, but probably not. Um, COVID is starting to officially end. We have states now that are ripping off the Band-Aid, or ripping off the mask, if you will. Texas and Mississippi. Uh, actually, Texas is reopening tomorrow. Yeah. Wednesday, uh, March 10th, I think. Um, which actually is now, because we are now past midnight. But anyway, Texas and Mississippi are getting rid of all their mask mandates. They're opening things up to 100% capacity. Uh, other states have since joined in. I think Arizona's joining in. Uh, I've heard some rumblings today that uh, Georgia is moving in on it as well. This is the 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 first hole poked in the levee. The I think this is great. I uh, think this is amazing. something that should have happened, oh, I don't know, maybe last April? Yeah, possibly. Um, and I think as we get further away from COVID, as more or maybe not further away, but as more time passes, I think a lot more people will look back and go, "Ah, uh, yeah." And I've said this numerous times. I think the I think 10 years from now we'll look back at 2020 and a little bit into 2021 and we'll all realize how much we fucked up uh just as far as like different states and as a nation i mean cuomo is a thing we'll get into later but um i think that the handling of covid will be looked to look back upon as uh just as bad as the weapons of mass destruction lie i you know i hope you're right but um if you know, the way that the United States runs is any indication, it always seems that the worst ideas are the ones that seem to um, get the most traction. Yeah. And get the most blind support with no reason for it other than, well, just, I mean, think about it. It's common sense. Well, look at the reaction that Texas and Mississippi are getting. Yeah. I mean, this is not the rally cry of the free. This is oppression that they're feeding you. Yeah, well, it's definitely not r the rally cry of unity. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you got two of the more prominent lefties out there that uh, once the news broke that Texas was opening up, Texas seems to be the, the, the central focal point for everybody's angst. 
not Florida, uh, not Mississippi. And, and I've already talked about this when the winter storm hit. The only reason why Texas is ground zero for political arguments is because it's up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and it's probably going to turn blue uh, unless Biden and the Democrats totally fuck up their opportunity, which I fully think they will. But anyway, Michael Moore, uh, famed lefty political documentarian director, uh, came out and basically said that we should not, and also this was echoed by Keith Olbermann. If you don't remember Keith fucking older Olbermann, uh, he, he was an ESPN sports center caster, yeah. uh, who talked about sports and then he moved over to MSNBC, had a very political left wing lefty show, got uh shit can from that. Went back to ESPN and was too political for them. Yeah. And so now he's doing his own fucking thing. And which all signs point to the fact that he should have stuck to sports. Yeah. So these two asshats, uh, both Michael Moore from Michigan and Keith Olbermann from up his own assville, uh, came out and said, mm-hmm. we should not waste our precious vaccine on Texas residents because the state, the governor is ending his executive orders for shutdown, lockdown, mass mandates, whatever. He's removing all restrictions. So local Texas government is just saying, we're not going to come in and enforce anything regarding COVID. You know, we know what to do at this point. We still recommend that you wear a mask and that you social distance. And, you know, you know enough at this point, uh, adults, to make the best decision for yourself and for your own safety. So we're just going to get the fuck out of your way. Mike, Michael Moore and Keith Olbermann lost their shit and was like, we, we, should, we should prevent the vaccine from going to them like they are the same as their government. Yeah, that's always something that's baffled me. Yeah, it's like, hey, fuckheads. Hey, Michael Moore, you fat fuck up there in Michigan. Um, well, it seems like the city of Flint really doesn't seem too interested about having clean drinking water. We probably shouldn't send the vaccine to any Flint, Michigan residents because they obviously just don't care about their health. Of course not. That's the same reasoning. Yeah. He's made a career over the last 20 years bitching about Flint water. Yeah. So if, if he were to stop long enough... To, I would have stopped the sentence and said he's made a career of bitching. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> but if, if you... If you speak his own language back sure. to him, sure. it's immediately uh, exposed for how fucking retarded it is. Now, if you, like I said, I think more people are familiar with Michael Moore than Keith Olbermann, but if you aren't familiar with the recent iteration of Keith Olbermann, um, this isn't anything super new as no. far as him just being a, a, a mental moron. Um, this is, I'm going to play a, a nice little. We'll end on this note. Um, we'll let Keith Olbermann take us out this episode. This was right after Trump was, uh, I think this was actually on Inauguration Day back in 2017. Let's listen to this very centered and uh, thoughtful, balanced, educated man who's very reasonable, by the way. We are at war with Russia. Or perhaps more correctly, we have lost a war with Russia without a battle. 
We are no longer a sovereign nation. We are no longer a democracy. We are no longer a free people. We are the victims of a bloodless coup, so far a bloodless coup, engineered by Russia with, at best, the traitorous indifference of the Republican Party and Donald John Trump, a man who, to borrow a phrase from another December long ago, will live in infamy. In five weeks' time, unless desperate measures are taken, we will hand over the government to a man who lost the popular vote by more than Woodrow Wilson or Jimmy Carter won it, a man whom the Russians wanted to run our country for them, a man whom the Russians got to run our country for them, a man for whom the Russians interfered with our elections, which if we did it to another country would be described as an act of war. And in this country, we have conceded defeat. Some experts, John Kasich's strategist, John Weaver for one, have compared this to Pearl Harbor. Even the hard right ex-congressman Joe Walsh says Republican silence will be tantamount to treason. Some others, too, have proved courageous. Trump, self-destructive to the last, issued a childish statement mocking the CIA, but as Tim Dickinson of Rolling Stone noted, not denying anything. But the vast majority of Republicans have said nothing, and the vast majority of Democrats have said nothing, and the vast majority of the media has said nothing of substance, and the president has said nothing close to enough. The CIA and FBI and Homeland Security, the institutions whose interest in freedom we on the left most frequently distrust, they have said something. They said it first to congressional and Senate Republicans in September. Dire warnings, warnings that Mitch McConnell and other Republicans reportedly buried, warnings that the Russians, using computer hacking and perhaps other means, were not merely trying to discredit the election, but to achieve the specific outcome of electing their man, Trump. All right, he goes on for another four minutes, but that just shows you um, where he lives. and. In in Unhingedville. Yeah, no, we 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 just had Pearl Harbor, I guess, uh, four or five years ago, and we just had another nine eleven in January. Like America is a crazy place. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, that those are the people that were reacting to government just getting out of your way. And for any, and the majority of our listeners are here in Georgia. Uh, anyone remember last April when Governor Kemp, who was getting raked over the coals for releasing uh, their government mandates back in April. Um, many articles were written about how he was leading Georgia or but his decisions were putting Georgia as the number one leader for, let's see, let me pull up the article here. April 21st of last year, Georgia leads the race to become America's number one death destination hmm. because our governor said government doesn't need to tell you how to pr protect yourself from a virus we're going to leave that up to you and that's criminal to a lot of these fucking covid morons um just an update uh currently georgia is 19th in the nation in deaths per 100,000 uh and we're also 19th in cases per 100,000 so we're about 18 places shy of being the leader of anything. Oh, and, you know, just out of curiosity, where would they list, you know, the most, uh, you know, uh, the gold standard as far as COVID response, or at least they would have had us believe way back when, before he was turned to villain, uh, New York. Where does New York stack up with 
their wonderful, wonderful response. No, they're number two. They have the second highest death rate of any state right behind uh, New Jersey, which is basically New York. Yeah. And, uh, and then Rhode Island, then Massachusetts. Uh, so there's a trend here. Now, it does level off and go to Mississippi and Arizona, but it flips right back up to Connecticut. But you, you still have to go through, I don't know, fucking 14 more states before you get to Georgia, who was supposed to be the leader. So everybody that's freaking out that states are starting to relax their COVID restrictions, uh, pay them no mind. They are in a cult that thinks that four masks do something and that this vaccine is a vaccine. Uh, knock yourself out. Wear yeah. 20 masks. Get all the vaccines <laughs> that you can. I don't give a shit. Just stay off the internet. <laughs> no, it, you know, it, it was very adorable this week. Uh, you know, I, um, for any listeners, uh, I, I recently made a career change over into sales. And I was, uh, had a new client's, uh, you know, um, establishment, shall I say she's in the medical field and just sat there for the next 20 minutes talking about how full of shit, uh, all the doctrines, all the, you know, COVID, uh, restrictions are, I mean, she was like, you know, anybody that knows anything in the medical industry knows that everything that they're telling you you should do to protect yourself with you know maybe some small um like like hand sanitizer she was like yeah yeah washing hands i will always you know very much applaud but everything else is fucking ridiculous yeah and so you know i'm hoping that um the way that she looks at it is something that the rest of the country is going to start um, doing themselves. No, we will. We, yeah. Like I said, with time, whether it's 10 years or 20 years, we're going to look back and go, wow. Yeah. Um, I feel very bad for anybody that lives in a, a hard lockdown state like Michigan, California, uh, and, and other parts like Chicago. Yeah. Um, a lot of the northern states, like, I, I feel for you. I really do. Because I'll be honest, Georgia... You know, I we I bitch and complain that we don't have concerts or sporting events to really go to. I did go see a sporting event on January first. Yeah, here in Atlanta. Um, but you know, we're I've, one of the freer states. I've gone out to bars. Yeah. I've gone out to restaurants. Yeah. I've I've tried to live as normal a life as as anybody can. Um, but it's because I actually can. Yeah. And I feel very much so for those that don't have that opportunity. Like if, if, if you're in a free open state and you still choose to just chill in your house, hang out and not interact with people on the outside, Hey, more power to you. I just feel really bad for those that want to get out that just can't, that aren't allowed to. Yeah. No, I, I super very much hope that Gavin Newsom is our next victim of a, um, some recall? Co- well, yeah, uh, of some kind of controversy that he cannot um, recover from. Because, yeah, I-, I hope the Cuomo army comes for you next. Yeah, well, I think there's going to be a lot of armies coming out for people. And if you do live in a northern state and you want to get out, just wait a few weeks because 
Uh, starting this week, the Derek Chauvin trial begins. And if you don't remember that Woo-hoo! name, uh, well, just Google George Floyd. And uh, he's the police officer that took part in that. So that's going to be an absolute fucking train wreck. They're going through jury selection now. Uh, we're not going to get into that on this episode. But uh, that because will be... Because there's way too much to unpack. But that will be coming up on next week's episode and probably many episodes to follow. So until then, that's it for this week. We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>